Historically and today, our country has been overrun by those with money and power, giving little voice to the everyday American. We're here to change that. Welcome to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. Each week, our program addresses the problems we are facing in our country, as well as thought-provoking and effective libertarian solutions. This could change the way you see opportunities in your life and your children's lives as well. Now, here is Judge Jim Gray. Well, hello, everyone out there, wherever you are in our great country, and I love our country, and, and anywhere around the world, because there are wonderful places everywhere. But this is Judge Jim Gray on the Voice America Variety Channel, always happy and excited to bring with you guests that show how the libertarian approaches of live and let live, the private sector being more involved in our world and, and our economy and, and uh, certainly our resources is certainly more helpful most times than, than big government. And we're going to not disappoint today because uh, we have our guest, Chris Coxon, who is a Heifer International, which is a wonderful group. Uh, they've taken some of my money over the years and I continue to do this because they, instead of our government providing all of this money to various countries, which basically in a lot of ways result in a lot of government officials riding Mercedes and opening Swiss bank accounts. Instead, they will go to the lower level of society and will donate to them in some fashion, maybe some goats or some chickens or cows or whatever. Hence, of course, Heifer International. But teach people husbandry. Teach people that if they learn and take care of these animals, that yeah, they can milk the goats, milk the cows, uh, use them, mate them, then they can, they can actually then start making money by selling to others. It's just the way things work. It's kind of like microloans with animals and Heifer International is involved with all kinds of really interesting things. So I've asked Chris Coxon, C-O-X-O-N, uh, who is actually in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, Heifer International is headquartered in Little Rock, Arkansas, and we'll talk about that as well. But but welcome, Chris, to All Rise, and uh, with the understanding that if we do employ these values, we will all rise together. How did you join up with Heifer International? Give us a little background about who Chris Coxon is, you public-spirited fellow hmm. well thank you very much for having me on the show um so yeah so i'm i'm obviously as you can probably hear from my accent um, i'm was born and raised in the uk um i've worked with uh Hepper international now for, for 18 months um but in the kind of global development sector uh for, for in excess of, uh, of 10 years now and um, so working a lot with uh, communities around the world um, supporting them as they, you know, kind of build out the the, the solutions to the issues that they're facing within their communities, um, and that's obviously you know kind of core to the the work that that, that we at Heifer do. So, what is your what is your background? How did you end up getting in this line of work, which must be really gratifying to see the results? Uh, it's, it's it's definitely a, a very interesting uh, sector to work in because. You know, as I said, we're, we're working very closely with, with communities on the ground. So um, I, I, I did my uh, master's degree in uh, international relations and diplomacy in, um, in, in Bruges in Belgium um, and uh, was, was, was lucky enough as soon as I graduated to, to go and work with a group of former presidents and prime ministers from all around the world um, in Madrid called the Club of Madrid. Um, and I worked very closely with uh, former presidents of Chile, uh, Ricardo Lagos, uh, when he was the uh, UN Special Envoy on Climate Change. Um, so we were working a lot on, on issues affecting communities around the world. Um, and really from there, I, I got very interested in, you know, kind of community-driven solutions to the, the, the problems that they're facing. 
Um, so I moved to, after that position, I, I moved to work with an organization called ActionAid. Um, we worked on, you know, kind of human rights issues around the world and with a real focus on, on, on farmers at a small scale. Um, and it was an actual fit, really, to, to move to work with Heifer because, I mean, as I'm, sh- I'm sure you're aware, that um, in many poor countries around the world, agriculture is, is one of, if not the biggest, areas of employment. Um, and not only does it, you know, kind of um, provide a source of, sort of income and, and, and food for, um, for, for communities at the local level, but um, uh, globally up to 80% of, uh, of the world's food is actually produced by um, smallholder farmers. So they're farmers that are, that are, that are very much focusing at the, the smaller level. Um, and that's why it's really an important area to, to, to invest in. And I you know, became very, very passionate about that, both as a solution in terms of, I think, long-term for, for, for our food systems, but also um, really these are the people that, that know the importance of, of protecting the environment and the, you know, the, the planet we live on. So I, I you know, see this as one of the real long-term solutions for some of the problems that we, we face at the moment. Indeed so. Uh, you're, you're involved with Heifer International. How, how did you hook up with that great organization, Chris? Um, well, Heifer International, um, as you, as you uh, said, um, were, are based out of, we're based out of uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, and we have a, have a small office here in, in Washington, D.C. Um, we do, do, do a, a, a very limited amount of work with, with the U.S. government in terms of you know, some of the, the foreign aid programs. Um, but we also work with um, a, a range of different uh, other um, uh, organizations in the international development space, and many of those uh, you know, have, have offices at least in, in D.C. So it's an important area for us um, to, to, you know, to connect with um, uh, you know, other, other organizations. And, and, and to, it's part, partly about really sharing what we're, um, we're doing within our space and, and, and what we're finding really produces results and also really learning from others. Um, so Heifer, we're looking for, for someone to lead their uh, public relations work um, out, of, out of the D.C. office. And uh, I was really fortunate to join up with them 18 months uh, ago. Well, they're, they're fortunate to have such a well-rounded, to talk about a, an international background, uh, you certainly have that. But explain the history of Heifer International, if you would, because many people may not know. And tell us what it does and even throw in a few success stories, because I know you have many. Oh, thank you. So, so, so yeah. So, we were we were actually founded um, in in 1944 um, by a, a, a farmer from the Midwest called uh, Dan West. Um, and I think it's quite interesting. Obviously, this year is our, our 75th anniversary. Um, but if if you think back to you know what the world was like in, in 1944, obviously you know kind of moving towards the end of the Second World War, um, and you know kind of with regards to the humanitarian situation, a lot of people just displaced and um, a, a lot of people really going hungry. Um, so Dan West was, um, he, you know, was a member of the Church of the Brethren and he uh, served as a, a volunteer um, at the you know, kind of humanitarian volunteer in the Spanish Civil War. Um, and one of the things that he was doing is that he was involved with you know, groups of people that would go around every day and they would provide food to, um, to different communities. Um, and he, you know, obviously he was a farmer from a, a rural background and he was saying, yeah, this is this is crazy. You know, we're we're coming here today and we're distributing food to these people. And, and while that's great, they get something to eat. I mean, tomorrow they're they're still going to need something to eat. So you know, imagine if we could um, give them a you know an animal, say a cow. Um, you know, every day they would have milk, which would obviously you know give them important nutrients within their diet. Um, so that's really where the essence of 
um, of heifer came from. Um, and we've you know, expanded over the years, over the 75 years that, that we've been, um, uh, been, been working. And uh, we've, we've worked actually in total now in, in 112 countries around the world. Um, obviously not, not um, in all of those countries all at the same time. Uh, currently we're working in 21 uh, different countries um, in Asia, in Africa, and in, in the Americas. Um, and also importantly here in the U.S., because um, I think what's what's really important to underline is that um, you know obviously that that there are um, issues with regards to you know kind of uh, how do we produce food sustainably, um, and 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 farmers within the U.S., particularly within the South, those people that we're working with are really really um, you know trying to answer those questions, and and we we have a, a, a breadth of experience that we bring from you know, all of the different countries that we've worked in. Um, and we also have a, a, a ranch that's located um, about an hour's drive outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, and that's an area where farmers from across the south can kind of come in and, um, you know, it, 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 they can work with, with our team that, that are there on the ranch and they can um, experiment. They can try new ways, new techniques of, uh, of farming and, and learn as they go. Um, so that's both livestock and, and, and crop production. Um, so in terms of the work that we do today, so how, how you know, um, our work has evolved uh, since um, uh, Dan West started the organization back in 1944, um, we've really kind of evolved, um, I would say, slightly, you know, kind of our, our mission is still to, to, to end hunger and poverty uh, in a sustainable way. Um, but, but we're kind of looking beyond that to, to some extent, because as I'm sure you're aware that... Um, if you're classed as, as, as being in poverty around the world, um, you know, the general cl- classment that's, that's used is um, that you, you, you have less than $1.90 a day. Um, and that, you know, kind of um, normally uh, the way that it's explained is that that's, that's money for food, for shelter, and for clothing. But in reality, as we all know, that um, the cost of living actually varies massively from place to place. I mean, even think of that in, here in the U.S. And, and, and how the cost of living varies massively across the country. But also, if you think about that as well, that, you know, to live a dignified life, as we all know, you need more than just uh, food, clothing, and, and, and shelter, you know, um, particularly if you, you, know, have, you have kids, you're thinking of education, uh, healthcare is one of those things as well. Um, so the way that we... Uh, are really focusing our work and our goal through our work is to get the communities that we're working with uh, to what we call a living income. And that's what we explain a living income as is, you know, having enough money to to, to cover all of those core costs of of a family. Um, So why we do, you know, we we, obviously the people that that, that know us often know us as the organization that give a a cow, a goat or chickens to to communities in need around the world. And and we we do do that. Um, When, uh, we make you know kind of through heifer when you make the gift of an animal to give the gift of an animal to a community you're often you know giving them um the, the beginnings of a business and and what we look at is obviously if you donate a, a, an animal to a community in need that uh, obviously without um, certain training and animal husbandry as you mentioned earlier 
then it, it's highly likely that that, that animal will, will, will die. So obviously we don't want that to be the case. So before um, the communities that we work with receive animals, they receive you know, rigorous training in terms of how to look after that animal, how to you know, give it the nutrition that it needs and, 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 and how to raise it and how to breed. Um, and, and a hallmark of our uh, work as an organization is what we call passing on the gift. So whenever a, a family receives, whether it's a goat or whether it's a, a cow or, or it might be a, you know, a, a packet of seeds, they commit to pass on um, the equivalent amount to another family in need within their community. Um, and, and that obviously means that you know this, this kind of network uh, effect gets created, um, and you get um, you know kind of much stronger uh, groups within communities building because uh, you're not having a case of well some people receive things and some people don't. So that you know when you have that situation, that can actually create conflict within a community. Indeed, um, so. So, so as, as, as part of that, so obviously there's the training that people receive, but then. The next thing is, is that you know, if you're if you're you've received cows and you're 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 milking the cows, and you may get to the point where you have more milk than you can consume in your family a day. So, you know, obviously you can look at, at, at selling that to other people, and, and as part of that, you you get an income. Well, there's a limit often to the amount that you can sell sell to your neighbours. So, part of uh, the work that we do um, with with, um, with with different communities around the world is is connecting them to to um, milk collection centres, so they can take their milk there every day. It gets chilled and it gets tested, you know, the quality tested. Um, and then the farmers, as a group, so um, the, the farmers are part of uh, of a cooperative, a farmer-owned cooperative, and they sell directly to, to, to some of the big big dairies, um, meaning that you know, kind of more income goes back to to the farmers. So recently, in, in July, I was in Zambia, um, and where we worked with um, the the first uh, women-run uh, cooperative in, in Zambia. It, it was very interesting, actually, in an area, the Copper Belt region in the country, which is mainly known for mining. Um, and these women set up, a, um, you know, started you know, just with a few cows each and grew their herds, um, and then you know were producing milk that they now sell directly to um, a company called Parmalat, which is one of the biggest dairies in the world. Um, and that money is all going back into the, the, the farmer-owned cooperative, which then gets distributed to the members. So it means that in the past, they used to sell their milk to someone who would then take the milk to market and sell it on. And so they had prices dictated to them. But now through the cooperative system and through the, uh, through the milk collection hubs, um, they're actually able to sell directly to the dairies, making, you know, ensuring that more money is going back to the farmers. And well, so that's helping to get them to a living income. Of course, and it's pretty well known that usually the middlemen are the ones that really make the money. And and now with the co-ops that Heifer International has instituted, uh, the the money rightfully is going to those that are producing it. What percentage of the people that you work with at Heifer International actually are women as opposed to men in these countries? Uh, so so it, it differs. It differs um, according to the country that we're working in, but um, um, the majority uh, are women. Um, and the reason that we work with women in particular is because, I mean, it, it changes from country to country. So, for example, in lots of the rural communities in Nepal, um, you'll find that actually a lot, a lot of the men from the communities don't, don't actually, aren't, aren't actually there. They're, a lot of them are working as migrants, uh, migrant workers in, in, in the Middle East, um, which means that the women are the head of the, head of the household there. 
Um, but it, you know, another reason as well is that evidence shows that if you, um, if women have uh, control over um, uh, over their income and and assets, that they invest more money back into the family, so that actually the whole family benefits by that investment in in, in women farmers. You know, hear ye, hear ye. I love that comment, being a judge for 25 years. But you are hearing libertarian values at work, boots on the ground with Heifer International, as our guest uh, Chris Coxon is, is talking about, that this, is, this isn't government. This is the private sector. These are people that simply get more value, understand the issues, understand incentives matter. No, I need to say that again. Yes, incentives do matter. And when I talk to others about this, and and Chris, I try this example with you, that when I tell folks, what's the difference? I say, think mosquito nets. People look at me like, what's he talking about now? And it's pretty much true that in many places around the world, many in Africa, we still have malaria. And it's a killer. But for every 10 mosquito nets you actually get on the ground to protect people while they're sleeping, you're going to save one life. You're going to save several people from getting getting malaria, and you're going to save a life. But it's the same mosquito net. Government, it costs something like $12.50 per mosquito net to get it there in the community. And private sector costs about maybe a third of that, you know, $4 and so. It's the same mosquito net, but done much more efficiently. But this is what... Heifer International is doing, and I simply applaud it, Chris. Uh, take take a bow for you and your, your counterparts. But I had the occasion of visiting your headquarters in Little Rock, Arkansas. Really impressed. Modern building, clean, very impressive. But, and I, I address this with anyone that I give money to, I asked your representative there how much of the contributions that I am making to Heifer International actually go to maintaining your impressive offices here as opposed to going to providing health and assistance in the host countries. And your representative told me that really none of my donations go to the home office. It's funded separately. So my donations, a high percentage of them, actually get to your programs and projects around the world. Is that an accurate recitation? Uh, precisely, yes. So, so, so um, let me just explain a little bit more. So um, prior to um, the, the building that you visited in, in Little Rock, our, our headquarters, um, we used to rent um, office space in, in Little Rock. Um, and for the size of our headquarter team, we actually needed a, a number of different locations, but they were kind of spread out through a number of areas within the city. Um, and we, you know, kind of got to the point where obviously for, in terms of working together efficiently, that's, that's not really the best way to, uh, to, to be. Um, but we also um, did a cost-benefit analysis, and, we, and that showed that over a 20-year period, it was much more beneficial for us to build our own building. Um, and not only that, we would then have a, an asset um, you know, moving forward. Um, so we financed the, the building through a capital campaign. Um, some people gave gifts directly to the building fund and, and, and also a, a series of uh, low-interest loans. Um, and, and payments uh, on the loans uh, are made from ongoing capital campaign funds and also endowments. Um, we also receive income through um, renting and leasing some of the other assets that we own. Um, and also some, some of our, our donors very generously give uh, designated gifts directly to, to, to paying you know, for that facility. Um, so it, so it, is, it is financed separately from, for, from core project funds. Um, and I've noticed as well that you know it, 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 it is an amazing building to visit, and I, I'd encourage anyone to, if they're in the Little Rock, Arkansas area, to, to, to visit. We've got a, um, a learning center that's there, and you can 
um, you know, go and, go and see some of the work that we do, and we also have an, an urban farm area. Um, the the land that the building stands on is is former industrial land that's been you know kind of uh, repurposed and and regenerated, um, and the building itself is is built with um, as, as as much as possible recycled material or material that that can be recycled once it comes to the end, end of use. Um, and it's, it's built with materials that were sourced locally. So um, obviously, when you have to transport materials all, all around the country or, or, or from beyond um, to build a building, then that actually you know, produces a, a lot of carbon emissions as well. So we try to source it as, as locally as possible. That's just all of that. It's just actually you're a steward of the, of the world. Uh, if any of our listeners would like more information or like to become more involved with Heifer International, uh, come on, give us a plug. What's your website? How can people contact you? How can they learn even more information about Heifer International, Chris Coxon? Uh, so, the, so the best way to learn more about what we do is to visit our website, which is www.heifer.org. That's H-E-I-F-E-R dot O-R-G. Um, there's a lot more information on there about um, you know, the, the work that we're doing around the world, but also here in the U.S. Um, you can also find out uh, about some of the events that we hold in different parts of the country, um, opportunities to visit some of our, uh, our project sites here in the U.S., um, and, and also you know, different ways that you can support our work. That's just, it's great. I, I tell you folks, and I look into these things, uh, they've gotten some of my money. They get some on a regular basis. It's a wonderful private property, private organization that's just doing wonderful work. So, okay, don't be modest, and you haven't particularly been modest so far, but give us some success stories. Tell us tell us exactly in some particular country, when it happened, from the files of Heifer International uh Take a bow and, and tell us some success stories about things that, that have done and come out really well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, unfortunately, we've got we've got a, a lot of uh, examples of that from uh, across our work. So, I mean, one of the ones that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is um, you know one that's actually you know kind of quite a recent success. So, um, in Nepal, we're working with um, a range of, uh, of different cooperatives, uh, actually 149 in total. Um, and these are uh, cooperatives that are working on, on you know, kind of uh, the goat sector, so raising goats and, and, and selling those um, within the pool itself. Um, and and as, I, as I mentioned earlier, that obviously uh, one of the, the, the big things is that, you know, we, we don't believe in, in just giving people, you know, giving people uh, donations, but, but, you know, really kind of working with them to how they can build sustainable businesses because we see that as the key uh, moving forward. I mean, you can give someone enough food to eat that'll cover them for one day, but they're not going to be able to continue to, to feed themselves in, in, in the following days. So the, the kind of the economic development, uh, building a sustainable business part of that is, is really important. Um, so in this year alone, um, the, these cooperatives that we're working with in the fall um, have, have sold uh, more than 120,000 goats. Um, the, 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 in the last five years, they've really come together as as a really strong group, and they've they've they, they really increased sales significantly, um, and that's why the the cooperative structure is really important. Um, and sales in this year alone, um, they, they, they've reached thirteen point nine million dollars, which obviously sounds like a, a huge number in itself. Bear in mind that that um, money that's distributed amongst uh, members of the cooperative, and that's one hundred and forty nine cooperatives. Um, in itself, um, and distributed between between lots of different members. But that's all to say um, that 
you know, given the, the, the right tools and the right support, um, that the, the, you know, the people that we can, we, we're working with, they are able to, to run with it and to, you know, to, to develop these businesses and, and, and to make a big success of what they're doing. Um, and I would say uh, one thing that's really important is that part of our model um, and the way that we work are a really core set of values. Um, and one of those, you know, kind of pro- processes that we go through is that when we start working with a community, we don't just, you know, kind of identify a few people. We encourage um, the community to, to, to join groups um, because that's a good way of getting them together and talking about some of the problems that they're facing. But it's also useful in terms of when we're providing training that they're together as a group and they can share information and lessons learned uh, amongst their groups. And they usually have 20 to 25 people that, that are in each group. And so there are lots of different groups uh, in the areas where we're working. Uh, and one of the first things that those groups do is they um, start um, what we call a savings and loan scheme. So basically every, you know, every, every week, um, each family will save a, a bit of money and they'll put that into a, a central pot that they run um, uh, through the group. And that's part of the, the first stages of, you know, kind of financial management. Um, and, and learning to, you know, how to how 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 to invest their money, and they invest within farms, um, within uh, of people that, that are within the group. Um, so that's you know, kind of just starts at the small scale, but then that provides a platform uh, for us to work with these groups. So I, I think it's really interesting because when we uh, talk about the projects that we're doing, um, it's not just heifer investing resources or giving people animals. Um, but it's, it's the communities themselves that are investing alongside Heifer. And that's really important because, you know, often with, um, the, you know, kind of charitable, uh, sector, you get lots of, lots of organizations that give things to people around the world, um, which I think is very, is very noble. Um, but, but I think the first question to ask is how do you know that that's the right thing for that community? And, and when the community themselves are investing within a project, um, I can tell you for sure that they'll tell you if they think that uh, something you're doing is not is or that you're proposing is not the right thing. You know, they're the ones that are deciding this, and they they, they drive this forward with 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 Hesse support. Um, so that's some of the work that we're doing in the pool. That's just Chris um, Coxon of Heifer International. It's just simply marvelous that I was in the Peace Corps and two things I took away from Peace Corps training, you've just covered here. But one is that people will not be involved with change unless they have what they called a felt need, that if they feel within themselves that they want to change, they want to be involved in things, at least if they feel that way, whether it's actually true or not, it's planted by someone else, but nothing will be successful. That's what you've been saying here, that they have this felt need, you get involved with the with these groups, and then that carries over into so many other things, sustainable businesses. And the other one is that a program will never be successful unless it will go on without you. So that's what I'm hearing from Heifer International, you know, you're winning, you're in effect working yourselves out of, out of that business there because you're teaching them to be self-sustainable. Just congratulations on this. We're going to hear more until, about what's going on with Heifer International around the world. I hope it makes you proud and gratified out there because it certainly does with me. It's just a wonderful libertarian type involvement where you don't have government involved. You just have this by good people, foundations, and the rest. But we'll hear a little bit more after these words.
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Libertarian Party is the third largest political party in the United States, and it's more successful than ever. We don't just talk the talk of individual liberty and free markets. We also walk the walk. Libertarian Party candidates are getting elected to office across the United States, and we are making a difference. The Libertarian Party is also the only third party that routinely has ballot access in every state. Our achievements and influence grow every year, and you can be part of that success. You can register as a Libertarian Party voter in your state to help us achieve easier ballot access. You can also visit lp.org today to become a member of the Libertarian Party, no matter which party you register with. Join the Libertarian Party today at lp.org. Together, we can move mountains. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com We are Americans all. You are listening to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. To find out more about Judge Gray, visit JudgeJimGray.com. That's JudgeJimGray.com. Now, back to All Rise. Well, welcome back after hearing those messages. So this is Judge Jim Gray with the idea that if we employ these libertarian values, like we're talking about with Chris Cox and right now of Heifer International, or the private sector getting out there doing good deeds, understanding that how things get worked and how they don't, continuing incentives matter and perpetuating without you. But uh, I'm asked by my wife, as regular listeners know, to uh, add in a little bit of silliness. And here I can, hey, anybody want some fake news? I mean, this isn't true. You want to hear some real fake news? Uh, President Trump was being interviewed by a reporter and the, and the reporter said, well, Mr. President, I understand your full name is Donald J. Trump. What does the J stand for? And he looked back and he said, genius. So, okay, not fake news, but I think it's fun anyway. But getting back to this, uh, Chris, we've been talking about how the private sector gets this work done. Uh, Is is Heifer International involved with government organizations as well, uh, either in our country, uh, which I don't imagine you involved too much with the U.S. government, but in other countries? You've been involved in 112 countries over time. To what degree does it work with governments and what degree is it just launching on its own? Um, so that, I mean, that's a, that's a very good question. I mean, in, in the course of our work, we work with a, a, a wide range of partners, um, and and you know, sometimes with with and a lot a lot of the times really with 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 local governments more than the national governments. But definitely, we we, we we have to work with with national governments as well because I mean, often it's it's very difficult to get the work done and, unless you kind of coordinate with them in in, in some way. Um, so I work. Let me explain a little bit more about that, really. So I work with local government. Um, is really just um, mainly to, to to make sure that we're not um, um, we're not we're not providing the same services that that farmers already have offer 
uh, have available to them um, through through the local government, and also that they can really access some of those services because, you know, while while the the, the support that we bring is really important, I think the, it's important to note that. Um, the, the biggest investors in, in agriculture and the biggest investors in, in, in farmers are still um, uh, governments themselves. I mean, we would argue, of course, that they should be investing more in that because um, there's, there's still a, a lot that could be done to uh, reduce poverty in, in, in rural areas. Um, but but they, are, they are important stakeholders. So in terms of the work that we do with local governments, it's more um, so in, in, in most places, um, they'll have uh, local governments will have uh, what they call extension workers. So these are experts in um, it might be um, keeping you know kind of veterinarians keeping animals healthy, or it could be um, experts in in crop management, or if if farmers are, uh, are having issues with a certain pest on their farm. Um, so these are the kind of specific expertise uh, that they can call on to, you know, to, to, to come in and advise them. And, and of course, as, you know, as I'm, I'm sure you're aware that running a farm is a complicated business, so any, any kind of advice in that respect is really useful. Um, so we have a lot of um, connections in, 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 in different uh, places where we're working with, with local governments. Um, and we also work with a few um, international governments um, you know, who partly you know, will partly finance some of the work that we do. So um, we'll get grants from some of them, but we'll also um, invest our, um, you know, our own money and the communities themselves will invest their own money in, 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 in getting a, uh, a project done. Sure. To, I, I, of course, you're a 501c3, you're a nonprofit and, and the rest, but, but uh, to, do you work with the United States government at all particularly? Uh, we we do do some 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 work with the U.S. government. It's a very small part of the work that we do, um, but we do uh, receive um, a limited amount of funding for for a couple of projects from the U.S. government. Um, but we don't do any um, any kind of lobbying work with the U.S. government. We don't uh, have you know, people active on 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 Capitol Hill. That's not that's not part of what we do. We're very much focused on you know what we would call our, our, our number one partners which are the farmers that we're working with in, in communities around the world, including here in the US. So if I donate $100 to Heifer International, what percentage of that money will actually be used on these overseas projects, Chris Coxon? Um, so it, it, it will obviously depend on, 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 on what projects you're, you're donating it uh, to. Um, we have, as I explained with, with the case with our, um, our, our headquarters, we have you know, for, for specific kind of core uh, projects, we'll, we'll have designated funding that we'll, we'll use, use for that. Um, but it, it, in general, across the, the, the whole of our, our portfolio, it, it's uh, 77% of the, of the money that we receive goes directly into our programs. Um, with the remainder just um, being being used to cover some of the, the, the core costs, um, and that includes you know the cost of of, of our staff that, that are doing the work because um, you know we, we we need to be able to ensure that the work is actually being being done on the ground. Uh, that's outstanding. That that's a it's a wonderful thing to know. Uh, frequently, if you donate to some usually large types of charities like this, it's it's well below that. It's it's sometimes often below fifty percent. So uh, they have a lot of uh, high paid officials, but it doesn't go to buying the goats, etc. So you gave us one example, and at, at my request, and you were talking about uh, my goodness, having have these one hundred and forty nine co ops in Nepal for with regard to raising and selling of goats. Give 
us some more examples. You whetted my appetite. And uh, uh, I assume that not only you're working with women in these various countries, but also with younger people, because obviously they have that vested interest in learning about incentives, learning about sustainable business. Give us some more examples, because I think these are really interesting. Absolutely. So there's a really interesting project that we're running in the moment, at the moment in Tanzania and Uganda. Um, and it's especially a, a, applicable in, in Uganda because this project has a, a high focus on, on, on youth. So you know, youth are generally classified as people from the age of 35. And in Uganda, um, 70% of the population are under, under the age of 35. So it's, it's, a, it's a big um, number of people. But a lot of those uh, young people, um, they don't have... Um, you know, they don't have jobs um, and they don't have a way of investing um, themselves. So we're doing a really interesting project uh, in both Uganda and Tanzania, which is partly um, supporting youth groups to set up their own small businesses. So sometimes that uh, poultry farms. Uh, there's one person that I visited earlier this year in Uganda who's growing watermelons that he sells both in Uganda, but also that get shipped across um, uh, the border into Kenya. Um, there are people that are producing, because it's not only if, if, if you have a goat's business, I mean, obviously you need something to feed your goats. So you'll have some people that are, that are um, raising goats and you'll have other people that are, pr- are producing the, the feed for the animals. Um, to make sure that the nutrients can be can be sourced locally, and um, we have people, as I said, um, that are uh, started poultry businesses and they're um, selling eggs within their communities and, and beyond. People that are making uh, yogurt, um, people that are running uh, small dairies. Uh, but another really important part of this project is actually providing uh, skills training uh, to young people because um, many of these young people. Um, did not have the uh, the opportunity to, to go to school, or if they did, um, they, they you know their schooling ended at a, at a young age, and, and so making sure they have the skills that they need to, to actually get a job and, and to be able to you know to keep that job is really important. Um, so that's that's, that's um, another um, project that we're that we're doing in, in, in Tanzania and Uganda, um, and another one that I just wanted to mention that I think is is, is really interesting as well. Is, um, one called the East Africa Dairy Development Project that um, we ran in, in four countries, so that's in Kenya, ten, uh, Tanzania, Rwanda, and Uganda. Um, and this one was really interesting because it was really um, what I talked about a bit earlier in terms of you know, often farmers are, um, you know, they're, they're already, the farmers that we're working with, they're already uh, producing something, um, but there's much more that they can do with the right uh, training um, to increase the production of you know it could be milk or it could be eggs from the, uh, eggs from their chickens um, and then you know kind of have that connected in, into the marketplace um, and this project was um, was was something that was really interesting because um, if if farmers uh, as we talked about earlier didn't don't have access uh, to markets that generally means that they'll sell their product to a middleman and the middleman will take the product to market and make the majority of the profit. Um, so what we, we were looking at with a lot of these communities that we're working with is, okay, well, they're, they're now able to produce good quality milk, uh, but they're not making the money from that because someone else is skimming off the profit. Um, so we um, worked with the cooperatives to build um, a system of uh, milk hubs. Um, so basically, um, one of the big problems in terms of getting the milk to, to market uh, outside of the areas was that uh, it, they didn't have the, the facilities to chill. And bear in mind that um, a lot of these rural communities don't have access to electricity. Um, so these hubs provided a space where 
the farmers can you know can bring their milk and the milk gets tested when it arrives so that they make sure it meets the quality um, and then it gets you know kind of put in and, and, and put all together into these big chillers and then the dairies can um, can, can can come and, and buy directly from, from from these hubs and I think this is important I mean it's a little bit uh, like the story in, in, in Zambia I was talking about a little bit earlier but it, it's really important just to, just to note that um, if if farmers can sell direct, then they keep a lot more of that uh, of, of the money. That money goes back into in, you know into into their businesses, but also through these hubs um, that were set up. It wasn't just about the place where they they can um, they, they can sell their milk, but they could also get and um, the, the cooperatives that ran the hub can buy feed in bulk directly from some of the some of the the, the vendors, so that they can pass on those. Uh, those cost savings to the farmers directly. Um, another important thing as well is that people in rural communities um, often don't have access to banking services. And when you're a farmer um, and you go from selling your, your, your milk or your vegetables to your neighbor to accessing markets that are further away, often what happens is that it, the time it takes for you to get the money from those sales is longer because if you're selling to your neighbor next door, you get cash in hand. But if you're selling through um, through a cooperative, then it takes longer for that money to come back to you. Um, but through this system, we were able to set it up so that um, farmers can now um, borrow against milk that they've already delivered. So, um, for example, if you get paid every 30 days, you know, if you needed money 15 days in, you could borrow against uh, milk that you've delivered in the last 15 days, which means that farmers have access to to. To, to cash, they have a, a regular cash flow, and um, so not only is more money coming back to the farmers, but they're also able to access it uh, more regularly, which is really important. As anyone who runs a business knows, is that you know it's really really important that you can you know have have the money to keep the business going in the in the first place. So, and this has been a, you know a, a big development and, and really important for um, for communities in these countries. Chris. Coxon of Heifer International. I'm just applauding what you're telling us, applauding what Heifer International is doing. I asked the question, what's the most important thing in life, which is probably the most general question I could come up with, and I won't put you on the spot for that, Chris, but my answer is gratification. You know, it's not money, it's not prestige, it's not power, it's not all of those sorts of things. It's knowing that the world is a somewhat better place because you were here for a while. You are helping other people or save the redwoods or save the whales, whatever, but but you're contributing to the world. And Heifer International is doing that. You are just making me feel proud just by being a small donor to Heifer International, but it's just got to feel good, does it not? Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, I, we, uh, we as an organization, we believe that, you know, there's, there's so much that we can do to um, to support these people that are making big changes within their community. And from a personal level, and I, I really believe that you know, if you're able to leave um, the, the, the the places that you've been in in in, in, a, in, in a better you know, in, in a better situation than, than when you arrived, I, th- I think that that that's one of the best things that you can do. So it's 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 really important to me as a someone working in the sector that you see the impact of, of, of the work you do and you know we're, we're really grateful for for, for donors uh, like you who you know who, who, who provide um, you know, make, make donations and, and and provide the money to be able to do this kind of work because it is much needed in in many countries around the world and it's often just a you know we say it's the kind of the, the spark that you can 
that you can provide that then enables these people to go on and 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 you know kind of make a success of uh, of, of their their businesses themselves. And I think that's really important. They're doing all the hard work, and it's just you know for us, we just want to be able just to to to, to support them and get them on the right track. I heard the saying not long ago that if you can believe you can do something, you're much more likely to try. And if people understand that, hey, I too could become an entrepreneur, I too could end up being getting some banking to help my skills, etc. You know, because it's it's not just okay. Here your goats goodbye. Because well, what what are people going to do? They're not going to know the possibilities. I'm hungry. I'll just I'll kill this goat now, and we'll have goat meat for for dinner tonight, and the whole thing is gone. But but that's what Heifer International is doing. And candidly, folks, libertarian that I am, I would much prefer to donate money to groups like Heifer International than to pay government taxes and, and have that, in effect, squandered by a bureaucracy. Because Heifer International does good work, like we're hearing, employing my Peace Trip Corps training experience that it has to be a, a felt need and then it has to go on without them. And they are teaching people to go on without them. That They're putting this in so it's institutional. So it's just exciting. What do you see for the future of some of Heifer International's projects? Uh, and what do you, in effect, what do you see Heifer International looking like 20 years from now, Chris Coxon? Um, well, I mean, obviously, uh, the work that we're doing, I, I don't know if you're aware, there's a, there's a series of international goals that countries signed up to a few years ago called the um, Sustainable Development Goals. Um, and the first one of those is, is around in poverty, and the second one of those is, is around zero hunger. Um, and that, they're um, supposed to be achieved by 2030. Um, and they're something that we align our work to. Um, but I think, you know, as you will have heard me talk about earlier today, um, our work kind of goes, looks beyond that in the sense of, you know, as I mentioned, that it's one thing to say that people are above and um, uh, an established international poverty line. But what does that really mean? If you don't have the money to put um, quality food on the table, you know, it's not just the fact that you have something to eat, but is that nutritious? Is that, you know, is that, does that give you the nutrition that you need? Um, and, you know, do you have the money to send your kids to school? Do you have the money to be able to access healthcare when you need it? Um, so that's why, you know, kind of the living income approach that we take is really important. So how I, I see that changing is that um, as you mentioned, core to our, pro- our projects is being able to work with communities and, and really supporting them as they envision what's the solution um, that they can, they can uh, build uh, to really close that gap, to get them to living income, to build sustainable businesses. Um, and I think that, you know, in, in the future, there's still going to be an important role for us to play in terms of the expertise uh, provision you know, we're providing the, the, the training for people with the, you know looking after their animals that um, for you know teaching them really you know kind of some of the, um, the, the the tools and techniques they need to run a business um, but I, you know I'm, I'm really hopeful that um, you know that, that, that we will start to see uh, this number of people um, living in poverty um, significantly decrease because you know it's, it's nearly a billion people around the world that, that live in poverty. Um, and I know if you get the if you get the support to them that they really need, you can make a big difference in that. Um, so I believe that you know we we will be you know really seeing um, a lot of heifer projects um, moving on to different locations because as as people are scaling up their businesses, um, they'll be reaching a living income and and, and the, they'll be doing that in a sustainable way. 
uh, a way that um, continues to provide an income for themselves and their family, but also makes the best use of local materials and local resources. And um, so they're doing that in a way that's not damaging the environment. And that's, that's really core, core to what we believe. So I want to see those, the numbers of people living in poverty really you know, significantly decreasing. decreasing. Uh, and we believe that that's something that, that, that can happen. So, you know, as, as you say, you know, really what we want to, to happen and what, and what we anticipate happening if we do our work correctly is that we'll be put out of business as an organization because people will be, you know, getting themselves out of poverty and doing that in a sustainable way. You know, we in the United States are so blessed in so many ways that, that we are to be who we are, to live where we lived at the time that we lived there. And and I don't personally, as a political philosophy, I don't think that I owe anybody anything just because they're alive. I don't think people are entitled to things, but we're a compassionate society. We will because we want to, and that's what Heifer International is doing. And, and you don't have to donate money to Heifer International, but I tell you, I want people to, to thrive. I want people to be able to sustain themselves, and I'm not going to, I don't have the expertise, the time, the inclination to go to Uganda and help people with, with providing information and and herds of goats or chickens or whatever. So I am honestly happy, gratified to donate money to Heifer International. Again, their website is www. Pretty straightforward stuff. www.heifer h-e-i-f-e-r dot org. Uh, and is is your is your organization funded mostly by small donors, Chris, or do you get a large amount from various foundations or other sources? So, yeah, we are uh, largely funded by um, people that uh, make very generous uh, donations, um, either on a monthly basis or on a yearly basis. Um, about, uh, it's about up to, up to 85% of, uh, of, of uh, the money that, that, that we have to do this work comes from people that, that, that are making small donations. Uh, we also have some, you know, some generous people that that, that make bigger bigger donations, um, and then we do do work with a, a number of, of corporate partners and a limited amount of, um, of of government projects. But it's predominantly uh, small donors. You know, I, I'm a, one of those that donates monthly just through my credit card. But uh, as soon as we're done here, uh, I'm going to double my, my investment. It just makes me really feel good. They're doing things that work. And this is just the libertarian way, in effect, libertarian values, self-sufficiency, but assisting others in, in being able to sustain. So so this is just great stuff. Uh, are you going to make this a career, Chris Coxon, at, at uh, Heifer International? Because uh, what you're doing just... I applaud. Oh, very much so. I'm, 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 I'm very grateful that I, I'm, I'm able to, to, to work in a place where I can see, see real, see real impact from the work that I'm doing, um, and to work with, with um, a wide range of really talented and very passionate people around the world. Um, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a really fantastic organisation. Do you work with other nonprofits as well? Heifer International. Do you? Do you hook up in various projects with other groups or are you pretty much uh, self-sufficient? Yes, no, we, we work with um, other organizations where, where, where it makes the most sense for the, for, for the communities that we're working with. Uh, so we'll work with a lot of um, local organizations in, in, in different countries um, because they you know, will have the networks to, um, to, to provide the support that, that uh, the communities that we're working with need. Um, and we also um, sometimes partner with um, some of the bigger um, international um, and, um, organizations as well. Um, it really is very much driven by um, the people that are 
uh, our core partners, which are the farmers that we're working with, um, and what will make um, the, the most, most sense for them and to get them the support they need as quickly as possible. I have, my belief is that Africa has many, many natural resources that, that they have. They're rich in natural resources and abilities, but their governments are just the things that, that just tear them down and governments are corrupt and, and they impede things like this. Uh, that's why, again, I don't think our government giving money to governments around the world is particularly helpful for the people. Uh, it's great for the bureaucrats, but uh, have, has Heifer International found governments in these various countries have been impediments, or, or to what degree are the governments actually realizing that you're helping the people of their country and standing back, or at least not getting in the way? I mean, certainly sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll have challenges with, with, with governments and other stakeholders um, in, the, in the countries where we're working. Um, but the, the real important uh, part of what we do is, you know, our, um, all of our staff are, are, are locally recruited. We're not um, in-country, so we're not parachuting staff in from, you know, from the U- U.S. or Europe or anywhere else. And they're local people that are known and respected in the communities where we're working. Um, and we also, as I said, we partner with, with, with local organizations. So we really, um, you know, see that it, it, it's about working with, with the people that have the skills needed to, 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 to get the support to, to communities that, that, that they need. Um, so we, you know, we, as I said, we do sometimes work with governments, but um, the majority of our work is at the local level with, um, with, with local communities, their leaders and, and, and groups in those areas. So the people that work for Heifer International, for example, in Uganda, uh, are these people Ugandans or are Americans going over there and and teaching them and and then uh, having them pick it up? To what degree is it United States personnel as opposed to, in effect, the in-house nationals? And the, we, we recruit all, all in-house nationals and, you know, kind of uh, people from the country where, where we're working. So in Uganda, for example, all of our team is, is Ugandan and the, the leader, the country director of HESA Uganda is, is, is from Uganda. Um, so we provide, um, you know, we, we, we have uh, specialist support, um, you know, particularly with um, financial systems, so tracking where the money is being used, but also specialist expertise um, that's available um, at, the, at the headquarters level. Um, we have a whole range of systems that are in place um, to, you know, to oversee the work that we're doing. But the, you know, the, the, the teams that are doing the work are, are uh, from the country uh, where we're doing the work because that's what we believe is really needed to, to, you know, to get, get, get the work done because they have the local expertise. They've often worked in those communities before um, and they have the networks and they, they have the knowledge um, and that's something that you know we can get the job done quicker if, if we if we have those people working from us rather than having to bring someone else in and then having to learn all of that before we can do the work of course and they're on your payroll then they're they're just a part of the heifer international team so there there you've had it folks chris coxon of heifer international an outstanding organization gets all kinds of bang for our buck as it were and doing god's work in so many ways so thank you for being with us we all know that there's lots of bad things happening around the world and the media hit us in the face with them all the time and if somebody a bus collision goes off in nigeria it seems like it's almost next door but i got to tell you there 
are a lot of good things, too. And almost all of these good things are employing libertarian values, like we've been hearing from Chris Cox and now. Individual responsibility, helping people sustain themselves with those felt needs, and getting involved with incentives, and helping them sustainably work with each other. So I'm excited by this. Please, again, tune in next week to All Rise the Libertarian Way that that we will if we employ these values. And I hope you're proud of Heifer International like I am, that they're helping people sustain themselves and thrive. If you believe you can, you will be more likely to try. And Heifer International is showing people that they really can produce. They can make their lives better. Women, children, men as well. So tune in again next week when we bring in another important, exciting subject, employing libertarian values. In the meantime, this is Judge Jim Gray saying, if I always do, thank you and life is good. Thanks for listening today. All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray can be heard every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We know you'll want to join us again next week and tell your friends that help is on the way. Strengthen my bonds that help us stand tall. We are Americans Oh